You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Hope you're all doing well. And once again, thank you for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast, episode number 16, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And as always, brought to you by DraftKings. You've heard me talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf. Of course, hockey and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports, and DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only a DraftKings minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And we've got a great show for you here today on the Other Connor Podcast. We're going to talk to Kevin McGrann of the Toronto Star. He covers the Maple Leafs. He's been doing so for a long time. And the Oilers set to take on the Leafs in a three-game set starting on Saturday. They'll also meet Monday and Wednesday for the Leafs. They're coming off a back-to-back series with the Calgary Flames. And the Leafs didn't look great. Of course, on Wednesday night, they did battle back, and William Nylander scored a late goal to force it to overtime, where they did pick up the win. But in the previous meeting, they were shut out. So we'll talk to Kevin, see how the Maple Leafs are doing, what direction they're trending in, and get his thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers as well. And we're also going to talk to one of the nicest guys in the business, Gene Principe of Sportsnet, of course, host and team reporter. And so many questions I could ask Gene Principe. We're going to talk about the puns, we'll talk about the costumes, we'll talk about the job and what he does behind the scenes, how he got into it. Lots of great stuff with Gene Principe of Rogers Sportsnet coming up later on in the show. We do have to recap the last few days for the Edmonton Oilers, and for that we will bring in Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260. You can hear him on the Dave Jamison Show Monday through Friday from noon until 2. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Awanek. And Matt, it is 10.35. This is a instant reaction to the Oilers' 3 nothing win over the Vancouver Canucks. We'll talk about the big comeback win on Tuesday night. But uh, first things first, thank you so much for doing this. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's. Uh, I-, I was looking forward to the weekend set from Toronto just because you know, you knew these were going to be the two top teams in the division. And I kind of looked past the Canucks games, but, uh, you know, with the Oilers getting these two wins, it's an even better time as you get set for these Toronto games as both teams stay just right at the top of the division. It's funny because Ryan Nugent Hopkins was asked about that earlier on on uh, Thursday before the Canucks game and kind of said, like, yeah, well, we know we have the Maple Leafs for three games. That's a unique situation, the top two teams. But we have to handle our business against the Vancouver Canucks. And they went out and did that. I mean, I give a lot of credit to this Edmonton team. It's like they're maturing before our eyes. They're starting to do the things that they know they have to do. Absolutely, and like if you just think about years past when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, um, in the games that, you know, even just last season, the games that they're supposed to win that you'd sit there and go, well, this should be an easy win, they'd go loose. And like us as the media or the fans, 
we can look ahead, but the teams absolutely they can't be those who do that. And but past years like the Oilers, they lost to the Sens, they lost to the Red Wings. They just always were losing the teams at the bottom. But this year, you know, you look at these two games against Vancouver. While everyone's excited about Matthews, McDavid, Leafs, Oilers. They have to go take care of business, and they did that. And even like you just look earlier this year, they played Ottawa four times. They took care of business in all four games. That this team is growing in confidence and also in maturity and are just getting closer where we can all sit there and say this team is the real deal. Going back to Tuesday night, obviously they go down 3 nothing early. Dave Tippett elects to keep Mike Smith in the game, and he rewards them. Was there ever a point of that game, even when it was 3 nothing, where you thought the Oilers cannot come back here? The, I, I never thought the Oilers couldn't come back because, you know, obviously when you first have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on your team, uh, you could always, you know, put up some goals. I thought it was just going to be a loss because, well, the Oilers had been winning so many hockey games that at some point you're just due for some sort of loss. Um, but overall, it wasn't one of those oh boy, I should just shut this off and walk away. We know how the result's going to be because of how the team has played this year. You know, after the 3-6 and six start, I should say. Um, where you just knew that no, they're a team that, as I just said, they're full of confidence. They're playing really good hockey. They're a deep team as well. This isn't just about the top players. They're getting production from, you know, lower in the lineup. They're getting great shifts from, you know, the third and fourth lines of this team. They have a strong defensive team right now in terms of the players that are out there and uh, the defensive pairings. And they're getting the goaltending most nights. Um, and so when you watch that game, you just knew the others could possibly come back. And as the game went on like in the second period how many posts were the Oilers hitting uh, that you knew with the Canucks being a team that's very fragile and with how good the Oilers are playing that that game was never in doubt necessarily and you never knew the Oilers were they didn't have a chance to come back in that one uh, even though they were down three Wednesday you were filling in on the Dave Jameson show I was on with you and you asked me which goalie I would start no hesitation, I said Miko Koskinen. I thought he'd go back to Miko. Uh, I was wrong. Dave Tippett elects to go with Mike Smith, and he rewards him with a 32-save shutout. He was fantastic Thursday night against the Canucks. Dave Tippett right now just seems to have the golden touch when it comes to deciding which goalie to put out there. Oh, and look, I was with you. I would have started Miko Koskinen as well. I, I figured, you know, give Mike Smith a little bit of rest and get him going for the Toronto series. Um, but Dave Tippett knows what he's doing with these two goalies. And you can go back to last season. His handling of which goalie to go with, when to make the change, when to stick with the guy, he was right almost every time outside of the bubble. And then this year it's continued. As Once Mike Smith got healthy, and the, the handling that Dave Tippett has done with these two has worked. And again, tonight, Mike Smith was just brilliant in net for this team, getting the shutout. And you just have to completely trust Dave Tippett when it comes to the decision with the goaltending. And it's also one of the reasons why I wasn't too angry when Ken Holland announced he was signing Mike Smith. I understood that actually that could work pretty well for this team considering how Dave Tippett knows how to handle these two guys. And when you're in this shortened season uh, that's going to have a lot of back-to-backs, that's just going to be a wild year, if you can't go get that number one goalie, I would stick with the devil I know when Dave Tippett knows how to deal with these guys. So uh, right now, quite a few times I've looked at Dave Tippett with his decision and I would have felt I would have done something different, but... You know, Dave Tippett's right. You know, and he's just proving it time and time again that no matter what he's going to choose to do with these goalies, it's going to work out, and no one should be questioning him the rest of the way. They may have their difference of opinions, uh, but in the end, Dave Tippett's showing that he knows what he's doing. 
Yeah, and uh, got to give credit to Thatcher Demko as well. He was very good for the Vancouver Canucks. Pretty much the only reason they were in that game to begin with, making some huge saves on Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Uh, the Oilers special teams. How about that? Four for four on the penalty kill on the power play. They're two for five. Uh, that fifth power play. There wasn't a whole lot of effort to get pucks to the net. So I'm going to say two for four and give them fifty percent. Do you think they, you know, obviously we know what the power play can do. The penalty kill hasn't been great, but do you think the PK is starting to get it together and figure it out? It seems to be, you know, and it seems like they're settling in. And, you know, look, um, the cliche goes when it comes to your penalty kill, your best penalty kill is your goalie. And with the Oilers, ever since Mike Smith's gotten healthy and gone to the lineup, they're getting great goaltending, whether it's Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen. So that's going to obviously help. Um, but it, it just does seem to be that the, that the rest of the unit is, is trying to, it's starting to settle down and become better. And like even tonight, uh, you know, one of the reasons Caleb Jones wasn't able to get in the lineup was he was a guy that, you know, left the lane and, and didn't go in and try to block some shots. Tonight, he, I think there was at least two opportunities where he, he was there and he took the block shot. So I think overall the team's really starting to listen to what the coaches want and settling in on that penalty kill. I, I don't know if this is a unit that's where the two units are going to get to where they were last year, which I believe they were top five. But they're getting in a position which isn't hurting the Edmonton Oilers. Um, but I think quite a bit of credit does have to go to goaltending. Yeah, yeah, the, the penalty kill looked great out there. Uh, Darnell Nurse blocking six shots. Uh, I think he probably scared a few Oilers fans. He took that one off the boot and was very back out there. But Caleb Jones blocks three shots himself. So obviously, you know, that little stint in the press box, <laughs> eye-opening. Let's guys know what to do. And uh, it's, yeah. it's certainly worked for the Oilers quite a bit this year. Now, the test comes against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That power play just a little bit better than the Vancouver Canucks. And you get three games in a row against the Maple Leafs. Do you uh, do you like this three game set? Like, I mean, to me, we're going to get great hockey, and it's it's a really good opportunity for the Oilers to measure themselves up and see how they are against the top team in the North. I love this. Well, one, I just love the idea of these series. I, I think they've been great, and I hope the NHL, you know, moving forward when we get to normal times in an eighty two game schedule, tries to find a way to keep getting some series into these things. I, I love the fact that Toronto's coming here for three and. It's, you know, what the ramifications are that come from this. I think right now the Leafs sit four points up with a game in hand on the Oilers for the division. You know, they come out and sweep Edmonton. You know, they almost run away with the division the rest of the way. Uh, if the Oilers go out and get a sweep here, you know, they're sitting two points up with Toronto still having that game in hand for that top spot. And if, you know, one of the team could win just two of one, you know, it's just a tight battle that you're going to have the rest of the season. So I love all the ramifications that could come from this. And also the idea that it's just, you know, whoever wins game one is going to feel so good going into game two and you're going to have that other team that's going to be hungry. And it's just everything that plays into it, I love it. And the fact that it's also, you know, Connor McDavid and hopefully Austin Matthews can play. Hopefully he can be healthy for that. And you got two guys who are going for the heart going at it. you got Leon Dreisfeld versus Mitch Marner. It's just, you know, that Saturday game is going to be fun. But I think the three-game series also just brings a little more intensity to all this because of the changing that you can have and the positioning and the standings. And I love it. I absolutely love these series. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love the chance for the rivalry. I, you know, just off the ice, I like that for the players, it's just a little bit easier on their body. They travel. It's not in and out of a city, back on the plane, flying again. You're there for four to five days for these series. I think it's great. I think a lot of people benefit. And I also just thought about it, if you were like a beat reporter, you get a day off in a city. How nice would that be? Obviously, this year they're not traveling with their teams. But going forward, I'm sure there might be some guys that, you know, you might lobby for a two-day series in Nashville or Vegas just so you can enjoy that a little bit more. 
That's how I look at it, at least. Uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, kind of a interesting team right now. They come off a two-game series with the Calgary Flames. The first game, they're shut out. The second game, they score one goal in regulation right towards the end. Um, do you think the Oilers can take a little bit out of the Flames' book and just try to almost imitate what they did defensively against Toronto? Well, I think they they can do that. You look at two of the last uh, couple wins for the Edmonton Oilers. If you go tonight to win in the first game against Calgary, very good defensive performance by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, got great goaltending from Mike Smith in both of those, and that's something that maybe you can draw on uh, when it comes to the games uh, against Toronto. It's also going to be a big question mark in terms of you know Austin Matthews' health and his wrist, and also Freddie Anderson, who didn't play in those two games against uh, Calgary. Uh, what's going to happen with them? I think that's going to be a big impact impact uh, into how both teams play uh, but from a fan perspective and just for entertainment value when you have Connor McDavid and uh, Austin Matthews out there you know you really kind of hope that it's going to be some sort of high scoring hockey game especially on Saturday night like a 5-4 game or something like that um, but no absolutely I think if the Oilers and if you're Dave Tippett uh, you're not looking to entertain necessarily you're looking to go win and I think you can absolutely draw on how Calgary did it the last two games and played great defensive hockey and the Oilers have shown that that's what they can do with the goaltend that they get with how good their defense have been and how good just overall their team defense has been um, and if it does go to a defensive game like if we go to last night's game between Toronto and Calgary I like the Oilers chances to get that one goal that's going to be the victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs um, so no I, absolutely I think this is a team that can draw on and I'm sure Dave Tipple will want to draw on the team defense um, but I am selfishly hoping for some high scoring games <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the potential is definitely there whenever these two teams meet. Uh, Matt, last question for you. Who starts Saturday when the Oilers take on the Leafs? Well, like, I've always, especially with the way he's playing, I figured, you know, Mike Smith should be the starter going into this Toronto series. And I think that's how you have to do it. You know, he played so well on Monday or on Tuesday against Vancouver. And then tonight, uh, he played exceptionally well getting that shutout. You stick with the hot hand and you go with Mike Smith until he falters in my mind now. I, I don't think you go to Miko Koskinen uh, until Mike Smith doesn't have a good game. That said, it's, it doesn't matter what I think. It's what matters what Dave Tippett thinks, and it could be completely different. Whatever it is, he's right. That is what we've seen. He's going to be right with whatever he does. Um, but my guess is it's probably going to be Mike Smith. You know what? I think Mike Smith, too, so... Pretty much just pencil in Koskinen because ah, exactly. he knows we know nothing. He and Schwartz have a good uh, game plan for how to handle this. They know exactly what they're doing, and we do not. So, Matt, thank you so much for doing this today. And uh, I know you're off Friday, so have a nice long weekend. I will, anytime. Great stuff. We really appreciate him hopping on tonight. As I said, we recorded that one at 10.30 at night. So uh, Maddie extending his bedtime for a few minutes to hop on here and join me. And, you know, for the Edmonton Oilers, like we talked about it, just a really good couple games against the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, they, they showed that they can win a game battling back. And that's not really new. I mean, we saw them fight back against the Winnipeg Jets last week. They did not win that game, but, you know, they showed that they had the firepower and I'd say the heart to just not give up in those moments. And uh, they do that on Tuesday night against the Vancouver Canucks coming back to win. And then tonight, just a great defensive performance. I, you got to give them credit for that. Mike Smith played very well, 32 saves in the shutout. And now they turn their attention to the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that they're coming off a win against the Calgary Flames in overtime. You know, for the Oilers, I think it's time to... Step up. You know, you got to know that the opponent you're going to see on Saturday is going to be a little bit better than the team you just played, and you're going to have to elevate your game. But we've seen the Oilers play well for a long time now. Five straight wins. 
And they'll look to continue that streak, make it six on Saturday when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. We are going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs in a little bit here on the Other Connor podcast. We've got Kevin McGran of the Toronto Star. He's going to join us. He covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. But first, let's get to a guy who I think is pretty popular in this town. One of my favorite guys in the Edmonton media. One of the nicest guys going. He, of course, is a host and reporter for Sportsnet with the Edmonton Oilers. Gene Principe joining us here on the podcast. Gene, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, pretty good. How are you, Connor? I'm doing very good, thank you. Uh, it's a fun time right now for the Edmonton Oilers, obviously playing some very good hockey, and we will talk about uh, the on-ice products, but I wanted to get you on here because with the other Connor podcast, we like to do all sorts of things. We have Oilers alumni on talking about their time with the team. We've also had uh, training staff. We've had the PA announcer, and I think someone who is so synonymous with the Oilers hockey club, especially with the broadcast like yourself, we had to get you on to talk a little bit about your career as well. So Let's go back to the very beginning. Were you born and raised in Edmonton? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Edmonton and uh, grew up, what, at the time, it now seems like the north side, but basically I grew up, uh, I would say, about a mile east, yeah, about a mile east of uh, the old arena back then, Northlands Coliseum. So I grew up right, uh, in fact, almost smack dab in the middle, uh, if you go east, uh, you'd, from my house, you'd hit the arena. If you went south, you'd hit Commonwealth Stadium. So it was kind of right in between uh, the two big uh, facilities of Edmonton. The mecca of the sporting world in yeah. Edmonton. So growing up, were you oil- always an Oilers fan, fan of the W football team as well? You know what? I remember uh, starting with football. I was in the old Knothole Gang, which, uh, you know, I think our tickets were 50 cents uh, back in the day. You're talking... Uh, Oh, early to mid seventies when I started to go to the football games, probably mid seventies. Um, as for uh, the Oilers, originally my favorite team um, was the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, despite the fact I haven't had a fight since grade five, and I'd like to continue that, uh, for some reason I was enthralled by their fighting. Uh, my my favorite sort of first player was Bobby Clark, and he wasn't he wasn't a fighter, but <laughs> he he certainly did some things uh, along the way for for older listeners. Uh, he broke Valerie Harlamov's ankle in the Canada Russia series, but I love Bobby Clark. I just thought he was great, and and as a result, I, I sort of thought it was kind of neat that they did all this fighting, which in hindsight seems uh, cavemanish and archaic. But uh, So I, I love the Flyers. Uh, they also had talented players, and I love Bernie Perron, their goalie. And then when the Oilers came on board, it, you know, it was hard not to not to sort of transition to, well, to Wayne and Paul and Kevin and Mark and Yari and Grant and Glenn and so on and so forth. But I would say, you know, the Flyers would be my my second favorite team. Uh, but, yeah, the Oilers, uh, being an Edmontonian, uh, eventually became my number one squad. So from a young age, you mentioned you were at football games, hockey games, like in the, bo- the Broad Street Bullies as well. Were you pretty sure that, you know, working in sports some in some facet was kind of what you wanted to do? Well, I, I wanted to be a pro soccer player, and that was my, you know, I played hockey and was literally the seventh defenseman on my house league team. Uh, I mean, I was, I was, you know, okay for house league, I guess. I wasn't a very good skater, uh, but soccer was kind of my sport that I thought, okay, I'm, I'm at least reasonably good at this, but you really don't know how good you are. Back then, club teams were just sort of starting out. I started playing club 
oh, I would say late 70s into the beginning of the 1980s. So you, you really didn't know, and it, wasn't, it didn't seem as competitive back then, but I tried out for the under-16 provincial team, and I remember back then we didn't even have indoor facilities like we do now, and I got cut at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. We practiced in the gym, and I wasn't the last cut, and I wasn't the first cut, but it was quite clear that at that point I wasn't going to have a Michael Jordan renaissance after being cut from his junior high basketball team. But it, it wasn't going to happen for me, so I, I was about... 14, 15, and I thought, geez, what would sort of be the next best thing? And I thought, well, covering sports. I uh, I love sports, uh, playing all of them or as many as I could, and I love watching them on TV as well. It wasn't, you know, you've got some people that do one or do the other, uh, but maybe not both, and I was head over heels for both. So, um, yeah, it kind of became a natural transition from kind of early teens into mid-teens. I thought I'd like to be on, on TV or be a television sportscaster. And uh, I ended up going to Nate. Uh, graduated in 1987 with the idea that I wanted to find my way in the broadcasting world, which brings us to where I am today. So what was your first job in the broadcasting industry? My first job, actually, I went to in the January, February of 1987, I went to Kamloops, uh, B.C., and they had a, a TV slash radio station there, CFJC-TV, which is still there these days, and it was fantastic. Actually, uh, I got a chance to do radio and TV uh, anchoring and reporting, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. Like, it just was... Uh, you know, to me, Kamloops, because they had such a good junior team and a good high school athletics, you know, it, it was for someone my age and my experience, it was perfect uh, to get to learn. And uh, so that was kind of my first sort of job. But my first sort of real job, I guess, was for CFRN TV. Uh, I got a job working uh, up north in Grand Prairie covering what's called the Peace Country, uh, Dawson Creek. Uh, Peace River, Grand Prairie, uh, White Court, all that area um, as a reporter slash cameraman. So that was my first kind of real job in broadcasting. So how did you make your way to Sportsnet and become a part of the Oilers broadcasts? Uh, well, it was a long and winding road. I, I really compared myself. Uh, some kids nowadays, uh, you know, like yourself and others, I hope it's okay to call you a kid, but young man, uh, you, you get success right away. For me, it was it took... It took a while, you know, from Kamloops to Grand Prairie to Lethbridge to Winnipeg to Toronto, back to Edmonton in the summer of 1998. And so the Oilers uh, had uh, been uh, picked up by what was then called A-Channel, now called City TV, and uh, they were looking for a host. And for me, that was... Yeah, you know, it was kind of a dream come true job and a chance to move home and, and be with my family. Everybody was here. So I, I had that chance in the summer of 1998 to move back. And that was my first sort of opportunity to host the Oiler Games. And then three years after that, uh, Sportsnet was really kind of taking over the sports landscape when it came to live events for regional hockey and they got the rights to the Oilers and so I was lucky enough to be able to to jump over October 1st of 2001 so almost coming up on 20 years and that's kind of how I got the chance to be where I am today. 
I have to ask you because, uh, you know, just like doing some research, looking at your background on your Wikipedia page, it says you're noted for your puns. And anyone who's ever watched an Oiler game knows you're the best. I mean, I, I've accidentally dropped puns on our station with the Jason Greger show and it floods the inbox. People saying, who do you think you are? Gene Principe? Like, what goes into these puns that you come up oh. with? Is it natural? Is it research? Are there brain uh, storming sessions? Like, how does it all come together? You know what? I would say what you listed just there and probably a bunch more, you know, it's just, you kind of never know. Oh, it's like, I guess, uh, the old Forrest Gump box of chocolates. You never quite know until you open up the the box what you're going to get inside. And that's kind of with me, too. Some are, boy, they just are so easy uh, that uh, they they just come naturally. And then sometimes just like you got a writer's block. And, I mean, you're not writing a book here. You're just trying to write a pun or come up with one. So it's it's all over the map. Sometimes I'll I'll hear something on TV or a friend or one of my kids kids or, um, you know, fans nowadays, too, with social media, uh, they like to try and jump in and, and pass on what they think would be good puns. And I always kind of say, first of all, I know that uh, for, for younger, your lo- younger listeners, sometimes they think that I sort of am the original at it. But, you know, let's be clear, Ron McLean is, is the king. I might be the prince, uh, but he's the king uh, of puns. And I remember watching him and not really trying to emulate him, but it was something that was hard not to notice. And then I just kind of started doing them and doing them and doing them. And uh, it, it all began after um, after the Oilers Cup run the next year. They won two of their last 20 games. And it, it was a tough it was a tough run for the team and and fans. And I always kind of felt like I'm the first person, relatively speaking, they see to start the broadcast. And I wanted to be upbeat and personal and entertaining and and maybe funny if I could wrap it all up into one. And that's kind of how it all began, uh, sort of slowly. And it just kind of hasn't stopped, (laughs) I guess. You know, I'm I'm like the kid in class who gets caught talking too much. Sometimes, you know, the teacher slash my bosses notice and, you know, like quiet down for a while and, and then move back to the front of the class and keep talking again. So, I, you know, I have lots and lots of people to credit for allowing me the, I guess, creative license to do them and to do a lot of them over a long period of time. So what happens if you're getting close to the start of the broadcast and you've got nothing? I mean, does it bug you if you don't have one or, or do you just say you'll get them yeah, next time? you know, that's a great point. And listen, it's like anything, you know, we'll, we'll talk in sports, whether it's a pass or uh, in football from the quarterback or, um, you know, a power play pass, you know, and we say, oh, we tried to force it in there, right? <laughs> well, I've done that before, too, and kind of walked off set and went, eh, I don't know, but that was uh, that was a bit of a stretch. But what's happened is sometimes the worse they are, the better they are, if that makes any sense. Uh, for me, I, I think that a groan is almost is better than a laugh. Uh, because when you grow and you're like, oh my, you know, and so it's, it's, it's kind of a weird, I, I guess there's, it's not like a comedian, uh, who, if he doesn't get the laughs, well, then it, it, you're kind of falling flat on your face. But I think with these and with props and with taking that approach, sometimes the more slapstick and the more you cause people to go, are you kidding me? That's almost as good as someone also getting a chuckle. So it's a, it's a wide, in my mind anyways, I've, I've made myself believe this, a wide parameter that you can you can strike within to have some form of success. Now, one more just about the broadcast, and sometimes you have props, 
Yes. Do you take these props on the road with you, or are these kind of purchases you might pick up, say, you're in Boston or around the city of Boston? Yeah, combination. The road is more difficult having three kids who are now adults. Uh, We've always had stuff around the house uh, that you can kind of make work. Um, But on the road, it is more challenging because sometimes you've got an idea, but you don't have the props to go with it. Uh, so you sometimes try and think of what you would have at the arena that would that would be available, and you simplify, right? You simplify uh, so that you're not, you know, at home I know exactly what I have or I can find, but on the road it's a bit different. And there are times where I will hop out, especially the night before, um, you know, sometimes it's whether it's a Valentine's Day or there's some kind of day or theme that I know, okay, I'm doing this tomorrow. I'll hop out the night before and go for a walk and, you know, grab grab some stuff. Uh, I remember doing a Drake opening. Uh, Drake and Jewel had, had two goals in an afternoon game against uh, Dallas, and he was promoted to the first line. So the next day before the game the following day, I went out and bought kind of like this Drake-like jacket and a wig and, you know, just some stuff that, you know, nowadays I, I'm not so sure I would do that. It's, it's That's one thing. Things have changed in the world. They change, uh, well, daily seems uh, not quite right, sometimes hourly. So definitely uh, one thing I've added to my uh, pregame routine is levels of balances and checks or checks and balances so that we're kind of all on the same page because the last thing I want to do you might not like me but I don't want you to think that uh, I have some thoughts or beliefs that uh, are things that make people uncomfortable so uh, that's definitely changed over the last well I would say the last few years but particularly in the last um, year or two and just a final example of that I remember when Donald Trump came in as the president the night of his inauguration I wore a Donald Trump mask because my son had worn it for Halloween. And I, I, I talked about, you know, the Reuters uh, wanting to Trump, I think it was Minnesota, and how Camp Talbot had built a wall. Well, listen, I feel now really stupid for having done that uh, because of everything that's gone on in the last four-plus years. So there's no way me or anyone else uh, would either think of doing something like that now just as a small somewhat unimportant example of just how the world has changed I want to ask you about uh, this year and obviously it's been different but one of the cool things that I think have come out of it is the intermissions and you guys have brought on some former NHLers Strud, Sean Brown, Joaquin Gage, Sean Bell how cool has it been for you to kind of interact with those guys and pick their brains? I love it. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we always joke that the, 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 the huge name players don't end up being analysts. And people sometimes say, well, do they, you know, they've made $75 million. Are they going to worry about a, a three minute spot during intermissions? But I, I don't think it's really about the money. And, and, and Struds and, and the other group would, would tell you that too. It's about, just how they started playing when they were 10 or 12 uh, or 9 or 8 it was about the love of the game and it's about the love of the game in a, in a different way by being able to analyze it I think it's great and I, I you know one thing uh, working with uh, Jason and Sean Brown and Sean Bell and Joaquin Gage and we're hoping soon also to have Megan Mickelson on from the uh, you know Canadian Olympic scene and the women's national program is nice. they all have a different sort of look and perspective and I think I think so many of them too have gone into some form of of the game 
after playing the game. And I think that's even added to their expertise. So it's been great. It's been really enjoyable to just uh, sit and, and listen and talk hockey with so many different people with, uh, you know, have it's the same game, but they have such different, uh, I guess, analogies, themes and ideas on it. Now, these guys obviously have played professionally in front of thousands of people, but when you go live on TV, it's totally different. Do you have to pass on some words of advice to them? You know what? I have been uh, pleasantly surprised that despite their nerves, and I would say Jason is you know least nervous because he's probably got the most experience when it comes to media. Uh, he did he does tons of radio, obviously with uh, yourself and Jason, and has done TV. Um, they've been good. Like I I I think their pro experience has helped them because they've obviously had a first game uh, and, and all those, you know, first playoff series, all the different firsts they've had throughout their career, not just in the NHL. And uh, I, I've been really impressed the way they've kind of bottled it up and uh, pushed it aside and worked their way through it. And I think one of the things, too, you know, we hear it all the time, Connor, you know, we'll say, oh, a guy doesn't have his legs in the first period or he's fighting the puck or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I mean, everyone uh, has had almost – uh, to a T, a good first intermission and almost always a better even second intermission and a better second game. And I think to myself, I think this is really a challenge because so many of them don't have this kind of experience and you got someone talking in your ear and the lights are on and the microphones, uh, but they've been really good. And uh, the, the better they've been, sort of the, the better it makes me and the more I'm learning about the game just sitting beside them for a night. It's been almost must-watch TV for me, just because obviously, uh, you know, their experiences and, and such good storytellers, and, and just give you that unique look. Like you say, they're all former NHL players, but they all have different perspectives, and uh, it's it's been really fun for me to watch during the intermissions. Uh, Gene, just a couple more questions for you here. I want to ask you. I mean, like you said, you've been doing this for about twenty years now uh, with the Oilers. Do you have a favorite memory, favorite interview, anything like that? Oof. Well, you know what? One of my favorite early, early memories was my first year. Uh, the Oilers, um, Tom Pody scored in overtime, uh, taking you back. Todd Marchant set him up in San Jose. And I'll never forget. And so I'm new, right? And, you know, I mean, I, I try not to do it on TV, uh, but, you know, I'm an Oilers fan. And uh, Tom was waiting to do the interview with me and everyone was high-fiving him and, hey, Potsy, great game. You know, we're going to the playoffs. And I remember walking back to the hotel near the coaches and Ron Lowe said, we're going to the playoffs and no one's ever going to take that away from us. And I just thought, wow, what a... It was because it was me being, at that time, I was 31, but I may as well have been like 14. It just felt like such a interesting side that I had never seen and, and wasn't sure if I was ever going to see it. Um, so that's kind of like I'm talking fresh early memory. When it comes to interviews, you know, I, I remember one of this isn't an interview, but I remember when the Jets were about to leave Winnipeg where there was a lot of talk and I was working in Winnipeg and I was in a studio and Wayne Gretzky was working for LA or playing for LA and he opened up the door and he said, can I sit in here? I'm thinking, Wayne, you can sit on my lap if you want. Like, you can sit wherever you want. So he comes in, and he's taping his stick, and he's asking me about the Jets, and are they moving from Winnipeg, or, you know, and I just was like, are you kidding me? Here's an Edmonton kid from the north side sitting in a dressing room having a conversation with Wayne Gretzky. Like, I just was like, I, you know, I can't believe this is happening. I, I think, you know, when I look at, 
kind of overall, I, I, I think of just, you know, just the experiences, the life experiences of, of having a great opportunity to, you know, cover Olympics and travel around the world and travel through North America, see great cities. And, you know, I would say meeting people and, and not just athletes that you talk about that you see on a daily basis but just people all over it's it's been you know it's been more than i could have ever imagined uh, for me to have these kinds of experiences i think one of the toughest interviews was always dustin penner though because he would ch- he kind of would challenge you right he wouldn't he wouldn't let you you know just come out with a statement or he wouldn't just let you fly a question by and turn it into a good answer but it was it was good like dustin was always one of my favorite guys because he was very smart very witty and uh very not just go with the grain and give you cliches you know Ryan Smith's one of my favorite guys. Like there's so many, so many people along the way. Uh, you know, it, it just it kind of feels like when somebody wins some kind of award and they go up there, they go, I don't know who to thank first. I got so many people to thank that have have allowed me, including you know my family, uh, with three kids, uh, to be away a lot to to have the kind of not only. Um, moderate success but to be able to really enjoy the success that's uh, great stuff gina and just uh one final question for you and we'll relate it to this year's edition of the team and uh playing some of their best hockey right now as we tape this interview of course uh who knows what happens in the uh the thursday night game against the canucks but do you think that we're starting to see this team become you know what they will be just that perennial playoff team and uh the young guys just starting to mature that that leadership core really starting to grow together and and we're just maybe seeing what this team can be I think you nailed it. Uh, I really do. Um, I, I just think that they, you know, yet last year was, so we had a good step to get to the playoffs in 2017 and then maybe a little bit of backwards, uh, some steps that didn't show progress. Uh, but yet last year we saw it, uh, you know, in the regular season and what happened in the qualifying round happened, you know, four games. Um, that's over with. And I think you've now got a core and a group and a belief and the leadership both on the ice, on the bench, in the suite, uh, where Ken Holland places himself along with Bob Nicholson. Um, yeah, I think they're now built to be a good team and a challenging one year after year after year. Uh, I just think you got the two in my mind, two best players in the NHL, and it's a great argument to have with lots of people. Um, and I, I just think they're they're primed and ready. Uh, those two young guys are, are reaching their kind of mid-20s here, and uh, I, I think that uh, this club, they're going to win some Stanley Cups. I really do believe that. I, I think by the time Connor's 30, not Connor Halley, but Connor McDavid, um, I think the Oilers will win two or three cups, and I know that's that's you know tough nowadays. It's not like the old days. As difficult as it was, we had these dynasties. It seems more difficult to have them now. But I really do believe in the Oilers, and I do believe them being an elite team. You, me, everyone listening to the podcast really hopes that's the case. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and maybe we can get you on again down the road here. Anytime. Thanks for the time, Connor. There you go, Rogers Sportsnet host Gene Principe doing it for about 20 years now with the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, I'm sure you guys all saw the costume on Thursday evening when the Oilers take on the Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely hilarious, and I like what he said. It all started back when the Oilers were in that decade of darkness, going through the struggles, and just a way to kind of lighten the mood. 
That's what it's about. Sports are supposed to be fun, and Gene Principe does an absolutely amazing job at his profession. And make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Gene Principe. For the Edmonton Oilers, of course, the next three games, taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs, top team in the North Division, coming off a series with the Calgary Flames where I don't want to say they looked terrible, but they looked beatable. A very beatable team right now. And the Edmonton Oilers will look to take them down starting on Saturday. For that, we will bring in Kevin McGrant from the Toronto Star. He, of course, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Kevin underscore McGrand. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. we got a blue sky here in Toronto, and it's not quite as cold as it's been most of the winter, so I'm looking forward to uh, a socially distanced walk. <laughs> good to hear, good to hear. So oh, we'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I just want to first ask you, as someone who's covered the team for a while now, how different has it been covering this team in 2021 with all the COVID protocols? Um, well, I, first off, in order to go into the to the arena, and I feel really privileged to be able to go into the arena, uh, I can actually uh, leave my home and, and go somewhere and do something and feel normal. Um, it's, it's a little strange, but we all have to pass a COVID test. They have the rapid testing here. So I've been tested, I don't know, eight or 10 times. And, and, uh, so I know I don't have COVID every day. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, but to sit, to sit there and, and kind of watch the game without fans and, and to hear the sort of fake noise, it can be a little bit jarring. Every once in a while, there's like a weird fake noise that I don't quite understand it was what it was for. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of is what it is, and, and, and you learn to deal with it. I'm, I'm personally just very, very uh, fortunate to, to be able to go watch them. I know when we had the bubble here in Edmonton for the NHL playoffs, a lot of people were commenting on how it was kind of cool because you could hear the guys interact just a little bit more. Have you learned anything about any of certain players who talks a bit, who's quieter on the ice? Well, Morgan Riley's really loud. That's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> Uh, I hear him probably more than anybody, and the the stick tapping for uh, you know pass the puck and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, that that is probably the best. I haven't been able to hear. I was kind of hoping I might hear other people in the rink sort of complain or laugh or or say something after a, a referee's call or a goal or something like that. And that and that hasn't happened. But it is kind of interesting to uh, to hear really, who really is the loudest on the team. Kevin McGrand joining us of the Toronto Star, talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So before we get to the Leafs, though, have you liked the North Division with all the Canadian teams, or are you missing seeing some of the American squads? Well, I think at this point, I mean, I thought I would love it, and I do love it. Although, and, and maybe as a guy in Edmonton, you might agree, when you see these two teams sort of pull away the way they have, um, you kind of do want to see how they measure up against the Bostons and the Tampas. And you know the other the other good teams like are they really this good or is this division just not that good? And they happen to be the best two teams in it. So the only so that's the only thing I kind of miss. But I do enjoy I do enjoy the series. I do enjoy that you know like David Riddich stopped seventy shots over two games before the Leafs finally beat him on the seventy first and then won in overtime. So that those are the kinds of stories you haven't been able to tell before. And uh, now you can sort of just sort of see a series. You can see how teams. Act, react, adjust, readjust, and and that to me is really quite interesting. Well, you you mentioned the Flames last night. Of course, William Nylander was absolutely huge for Toronto, scoring the tying goal, then the game winner in overtime. Just for for William Nylander, does he get the respect he deserves around the league? Just being on a team with so much offensive firepower. Uh, I don't think I think he's underrated somehow. I think there's a, there, William has a lot of haters out there. Um, 
you know, sometimes he's his own worst enemy because he really doesn't come across as somebody who cares when you when you see him on television talking about his game. He kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. And I think that drives fans crazy, especially if they think they just saw him sort of roll off a check and not finish it. So he's got so much talent, and he he, he can do so much. In, in some ways, Toronto is the perfect situation for him because – he does. He never has to be the man on a night in, night out basis in the same way that Phil Kessel had to be. He's got two other guys, three other guys, who can take the heat, and he can just make his plays, make his passes, make his shots, and 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 get his points, which is really all they want from him. They just want him to do those things really, really well, uh, and he he can do it without having to be the voice and the face of the team. I, I think on any other team, he's a first line winger, first power play choice. Um, and in Toronto, he has the luxury of being the second guy, uh, the second line, second power play. It won't. It means he won't put up the points he can, uh, but it also means that uh, it, well, it means the Maple Leafs are a pretty good team. Oh, we saw some reports this morning coming out that Austin Matthew was dealing with a little bit of a wrist injury last night. From what you saw in his play, was that noticeable? Well, it, it, he, he had a pretty physical game last night. He took a heavy hit into the boards, and he sort of had to retape up his wrist after that. He took a, a really hard shot off the left side of the of his uh, the inside of his left foot, and he was hobbling after that. He's played a more physical game this year, and of course, it wouldn't surprise me at all if other teams are sort of hacking away at his wrists the whole season, because how else are you going to stop him? Uh, I haven't noticed it in particular. I, I kind of kept a closer eye on him last night, knowing that he was taping his wrists. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's pro- for, the, for the coach to sort of reveal that, yeah, he's got a problem and he's had it all year, but it hasn't stopped and suggests, I, I don't think it's that big of a problem. I think it's just it's, it's something that he'll, uh, he'll maintain for himself. But it's certainly alarming if you're a Leaf fan because you just never, you can't, that's, that's the guy, right? If he goes down, the team goes from being very good to very very average. We get a lot of debate out here with Matthews McDavid, uh, obviously a TSN, uh, a big supporter of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we, we hear a lot about <laughs> him. Uh, when you see those two play, uh, where do you come out on the debate? Um, well, they, they are very different players. I mean, there is not... Uh, Connor McDavid is probably the best skater the NHL has ever seen. And in terms of being a playmaker, he's probably the best in the NHL right now. Uh, in terms of being a points producer, sure, he's the best. Matthews is a better goal scorer. He's the best goal scorer in the NHL right now. Matthews might be more dynamic defensively than he's given credit for. I'm, I'm not sure I consider McDavid um, how good he might be defensively, like in his own zone at puck retrieval, but obviously playing offense is a good defense. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that in his five years in the NHL, McDavid has only won the heart once. I expect he will have a bunch of them. Um, but, yeah, I can kind of see where any year where somebody else challenges him, that that guy is going to get uh, a fair bit of consideration for it. Like, last year I voted <laughs> I voted Dreisaitl and McDavid won, too. Because, you know, the same team, the most valuable player to his team, and I, and I put them both one too um because uh, they, they were just that good they were heads and shoulders above anybody else in my mind um and so i can see where somebody puts up somebody pops up his head and has a great year he will you know voters might go well we'll get mcdavid again next year but this guy needs to be rewarded this year and maybe that's going to be what happens with matthews this year because 
he really has turned up his game. He is much faster than people give him credit for, much better defensively. I would imagine Matthews will get a lot of consideration for the Selkie this year, um, and, and maybe that's where it ends up being. Uh, McDavid for the heart, Matthews for the Selkie. Yeah, and I always liked Austin Matthews. Going back to the World Juniors the year prior to his draft year, he just had that confidence. I mean, he was willing to take all the big shots. He always wanted to be out there. He's somebody I've always been a fan of, and you know, in Edmonton, a lot of people seem to dislike him. I'm a huge fan. I love watching Austin Matthews play, so I'm really looking forward to this upcoming three-game set between the two teams. Uh, just in their last two games, the Toronto Maple Leafs, like you said, only scoring the one goal in regulation. Obviously, they do get the two points from the Flames last night, but... Uh, was that a, a matter of the, the Leafs just struggling to find their offensive groove, or does the Calgary Flames deserve some credit for how they played defensively? Well, I think the Calgary Flames came in with something to prove, right? I mean, they'd been embarrassed. They'd lost three in a row, and they were embarrassed on Saturday night. Uh, so they came in. They had some team meetings. They were sort of going to prove that they're a, a pretty good team. And the Leafs did credit them. They said, like, it's... Like Sheldon Keefe said that was a good team. They played well. They kept us to the perimeter. He was he wasn't so upset with his own team. Like he understood what Calgary was doing in terms of limiting chances and making sure their goalie had good clean views of the puck when it came his way. So it was Calgary. I think that really really upped its game. The Leafs on uh, on Monday and uh, they sort of all of a sudden they had four guys hurt, including their starting goalie um, that nobody really saw coming. So they kind of went with a rejig lineup and you know Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner aren't going to score every game and and nobody scored that particular game um they got Hyman back on on uh on Wednesday and and that sort of settled down the lines a little bit um but you know teams are going to have to go through that and and you know we'll see with the Flames I mean they, they've got Ottawa now tonight I think uh the chick against the chick um so maybe Ottawa I mean maybe Calgary is uh um, is, is turning itself around because I certainly thought they were a better team than what they've, they've shown so far. The topic of the 2022 Canadian Olympic team came up on uh, one of our shows last week, and m- from my perspective, I thought Morgan Riley would be a real solid fit, but it, it was met by some people who might have been a little bit unsure. Uh, am I correct to think that he's a lock on this team? Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a lock. He's on my team. I had him as, uh, as uh, a, a second pairing with... Uh, well, I can't remember who I put him with, maybe Colton Pareko or something like that. Uh, but the, the Canadian team on the left side is actually really good on defense. So I don't think being left off would necessarily be an insult. You, there are there, uh, Canadian defense on the left side seems to be a real strength from Thomas Chabot on down. And, I mean, I take Thomas Chabot as my number one left side D, but some people don't even have him there. So, um, yeah, uh, the defense is full, but Morgan Riley is... is warrant certain uh, consideration there for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I watched him play in junior. I might have a little bit of a bias here, but I love the way he plays and, uh, you know, just what you said about being so vocal. I mean, I think, you know, you need that. That's just another plus in the column for me. So I, I hope to see him on the roster next uh, next winter. Just a couple more for you. Kevin, uh, from your opinion, obviously you don't watch the Oilers too closely, but I'm sure you see the highlights. You follow them a little bit. Uh, what do you make of this team? Um, well, at the beginning of the year, I thought they were two players and 18 other guys. Um, but I've, I've, I've revised my opinion of that certainly in the last two weeks. And I do watch them. I, I find them fun to watch. Um, I'm always rooting for uh, the guys further down the, down, down the line of a guy like Tyler Annis and stuff like that. I wasn't all that impressed necessarily with their offseason moves. 
But um, ever since Mike Smith came back, and it really did seem to settle down the goaltending situation a great deal. Like, Toskinen didn't have to play nearly as much. I, um, uh, Nurse has emerged really as a superstar defenseman. Uh, and, and even the, the entire Oilers defense, which for years has been their, uh, uh, their Achilles heel, seems to be maturing quite nicely together here. So they, they've got two, two lines. I mean, with McDavid and Drysaddle down the middle, Yamamoto, RNH, uh, they've got all the pieces that you kind of need for a top six, and, and their bottom six is, is solid enough. And, uh, you know, McDavid and, and Drysaddle can change a game as easily as anybody, probably better than anybody. So they're always dangerous. I, I, I'm not sure they're as deep as some other teams that, that we consider in the top tier, but that may not be a problem if they stay healthy. Uh, one final question for you here, Kevin. I really appreciate you uh, spending some time here on the Other Connor podcast. Were you surprised to see Mike Babcock hired by the University of Saskatchewan? Um, no, in fact, in some ways it makes a, a great deal of sense. I mean, Babcock is still being paid $6 million or something <laughs> like that by the Maple Leafs, so he doesn't need the money. Um, I think he's still kind of serving a sort of penance for the way people viewed him and the, the, the stories that came out about him. I, I don't think he's necessarily going to be able to coach an NHL team until he fully deals with with some of those allegations, but he's got time to put in. And, and I think in his mind, he's giving back right now. So he's going to go to a, a university program, a pretty good program, going with a good history, and do what he does. And I would imagine that he will run coaching clinics and that he will help the other coaches uh, that he plays against. And he'll, he'll, I think the coaching ranks of, of, the, of U Sports is better to have him among it. And he, that's probably how he sees it. This is a time for him to give back to uh, – to the organization that, that could use some help, and he doesn't need to. He's, I believe he's a volunteer, so he doesn't really need. He doesn't need the money, and, and he can do something that will help the coaching fraternity down the line. Great stuff, Kevin. Thank you so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and hopefully we can get you on again down the road. All right, my pleasure. Anytime. Great stuff from Kevin McCran. He, of course, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs with the Toronto Star. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Kevin McGran. And that's going to wrap it up for us here on another edition of the Other Connor Podcast. Here on the Hockey Podcast Network, once again, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Make sure you download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code word THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at Giraffe Kings, big thank you once again to everyone who joined us here on the show. Matthew Iwanek of TSN 1260 and the Dave Jameson Show, Sportsnet host Gene Principe and Kevin McCran from the Toronto Star. The Oilers in action Saturday night, taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Puck drop just after 5 o'clock. A reminder, if you are looking for some pregame coverage, tune in to TSN 1260. That's where I'll be alongside Tom Gazzola and former NHLer Matt Cassian. Our next show comes out Tuesday morning on that episode. We will recap the weekend for the Oilers. Of course, they play Saturday, like I just said, and then Monday night as well. It'll be another late one, 8 o'clock start here in the City of Champions. So uh, make sure you get in that quick power nap so you're ready for the Oilers Maple Leafs at 8 o'clock on Monday night. Thank you guys once again so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. I truly do appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.